Hi everyone, welcome to the Talk Birdie to Me podcast. It's now Friday, so golf clubs right across Ireland have been open for the last five days. Have you had an opportunity to tee it up yet? And if so, how did you find that first tee shot? Also, it's not too late to sign up for the Talk Birdie Challenge, which has been running since Monday. It is totally free to enter, and we have some great prizes. So shoot us a message with your home club and your handicap. And it's your best five scores between now and June 22nd. Today on the podcast, we are joined by former European Tour golfer Robert Coles. Robert is from London and has connections in Kinsale. And it was great to chat with him about his three wins on the Challenge Tour and the opportunity to play 389 times on the European Tour and how life has been in the last number of years where he has taken up a coaching role in London. So without further delay, here is that chat. Hi everyone and welcome back to the Talk Birdie to Me podcast. We're joined by professional golfer Robert Coles from London. How are you keeping Robert? Very well, thank you Shane. Uh, how's isolation treating you and golf course are back open now in the UK so are you excited to get back in the course? Yeah, we've we've been, you know, good good few weeks now and um, I think I haven't been out yet but uh, yeah, I, th- I think it'll be nice to get back out and just... Uh, play a bit of golf and get out of the house for a little while so it'll be good fun and you grew up in London and that's where you played most of your golf but you do have a relationship with Kinsale don't you and you played a bit or you practice here on a few occasions throughout your career yeah that's right um uh, my mother's from West Cork uh, near Adrigal um and she now lives and so does my sister in Kinsale um and you know, I come over maybe once a year, possibly, maybe more, um, to Kinsale and, uh, you know, really enjoy Kinsale. Um, so I, I practice, you know, it, sometimes I've, I've, I've managed to, uh, to bring the clubs and sometimes not, but, you know, sometimes, uh, Jer lets me go over to Kinsale Golf Club and, do a bit of practice which is very kind of him and when you were growing up was golf always your main sport uh when i was younger i think i was i was definitely more into football that was my thing and then um about probably you know we're talking uh <laughs> 40 years ago um uh i think golf golf was not really as young people didn't start as young as they do now you know like kids starting at sort of 11 12 are considered late starters whereas i remember when i was 11 i couldn't join a golf club until i was 12 so i had to play with adults all the time so i started around 11 um but now you know kids are a lot younger which is great and do you think that as you were playing with people that were considerably older than you that that kind of pushed you and trying to compete with them so they had more experience in the game than you um I think I think when you're 11, you just want to play with your friends and and the other juniors. But yeah, it probably did help. But I wouldn't say I was a, a natural by any means when I started. I had my struggles like everyone else does. So I think I think it was great experience for me to grow up in a golf club. Um, you know, I've got two boys now, and they're members of a golf club, and I want them to experience what it's what golf can give them being part of the club you know not particularly to be great golfers or you know 
do anything in the game as I just want them to play the game and, and be part of a club like I got to do when I was a kid, which I really enjoyed. And when you grew up in the game and as you started to progress, it then came time to funding to get yourself on tour. And I remember reading that you were working in your father's market stall to raise funds. So how is that now, Joe, you compared that this was a number of years ago and the different struggles you had in just trying to raise money to get to Q school? Yeah, that, it, it, you know, you look back and you, you know, at the time, um, I, I just wanted to play, you know, I just wanted to play and, and that was my sole focus. And um, uh, one of the winters, there was a member of the golf club had... Uh, he was a, a plaster and shop fitter, and I used to drive around London, uh, sort of five six in the evening when everyone was coming home from work, and I would labour for for the, the the plasterers or the shop fitters all through the night, and then drive home when they were driving to work. So, you know, I it was a great way of saving money, and and the member who had the firm looked after me and. That was how I saved money for the for the summers, and then I worked for my dad as well on in the markets. But there's two things to that: you you know you you value money, and you also you you realise that you know I don't particularly want to do this the rest of my life. I, I want to play golf, you know, and it gives you that push. So I think that you know things like that help your work ethic along the way when golf comes into it. So. You know, good good experiences, but not what I wanted to do at the time. And when did it come about that you could focus solely on golf? And how were those early years as a professional? I I had an experience where um, I thought I was going to go and work in a pro shop, and um, the county uh, the county amateur championship was at my golf course. And and I wanted to turn pro, sort of four or five handicap, and go and play. And I I wasn't particularly brilliant. And I played in the county amateur at my own golf course and missed the cut. And it was a bit of a a wake up experience. And I went, well, this just isn't good enough, you know. Um, how can I turn pro and I can't make the cut in the the county amateur you know so I think that was a, a bit of a wake-up call and I sort of um rededicated myself I was like I think 16 maybe at the time um and uh that that was a, a good thing and it sort of got me going and then I really did push on after that and then by the time I think I was 22 I was doing not too bad as an amateur and, and I went to tour school and I got through to the to the final stage as a tour school and turned pro to go there. There I made the cut and went on to challenge tour and then within another year I was on tour at 23. So from 16 to 23, I think I made, or around that sort of age, I made good progress. Um, you know, maybe not, massive but steady progress which that's what I believe you know how you improve is if you can just just improve every year slowly I think it really helps you know and as you mentioned there your steady progress and you continue to improve in the game and that got you to three British Opens just how special was that or how did you prepare for your first British Open yeah uh, I think the first one was Lytham in 2001 and they were special and they were great. 
I really didn't play well in them, um, which was is a bugbear of mine. But in 2001, I had a great, I was the last person out on the first day and finished in the dark. And if it wasn't for the, the lights in Lytham Clubhouse, we probably wouldn't have finished. Um, um, and then the next day, I had a great chance of making the cut. And I just had a, re- I hit a really bad drive on 17. And it was up against a porter cabin. And, and it turned out to be out of bounds, which was bit of a shock to me because I didn't even know it was out of bounds this port cabin was sort of sticking out and um anyway that was a bad break and I missed the cut by a shot so I unfortunately I remember it for a lot of those reasons but it was you know I'd played for maybe um since 96 on the tour and this was 2001, and I'd never experienced anything like it. It was like a tour event times 20. It was amazing. Um, and, and you know, I think anyone who goes to an Open Championship falls in love with it. It's, um, it's a great atmosphere, and to be involved in it is very special. And when you were there and you mentioned missing the cut by one shot, like when you looked back in the weeks after that, um, that Open, was it a case of thinking of, oh, that one shot you could have made up? Or was it just overall, you know, where your game was at and the main parts of it that you wanted to improve on and keep working on for life on tour? Well, missing missing any cut by one is just, you know, over 36 holes, you can think of more than one, but there's always something that stands out. Um, you know, a missed part, a, a an errant drive. Obviously, with me hitting it out of bounds on 17, I relived that shot um, a million times. But over the next few weeks, I was just grateful that I didn't get a speeding ticket from getting back from Lytham very quickly. You miss by a shot, you get home a lot quicker. (laughs) And by having the opportunity to play in three Opens, did your preparation alter after each one building for the next one? Well, well, uh, I think the, um, the process of how you qualified was changing. And so the next one I played in was 2003 at Royal St. George's. And um, that was still the Sunday, Monday before the event. Um, So doing it that way is very rushed. Um, And in 2005, I I was St. Andrews. Um, You'd already qualified at an... um, an IFQ, like an in, international final qualifier, I think they're called or were called. And for that reason, you knew with, the, I think, maybe two or three weeks beforehand that you were going to play. So that was far better. Just likewise, the, the, the disappointment of that is that I, I, I was on tour and missed the cut at the Scottish Open the week before and I went early. Um, and unfortunately, I just didn't play very well. Got got very late time again and um, got off to a dreadful start, I remember, at St Andrews, which is, you know, not the toughest of starts. Um, so, you know, they're great events, but likewise, you don't want to go there and play badly. You know, it's... Um, you go when you go to the big events. You really do want to, you know, have your have your A game, and uh, and I didn't, unfortunately. So, um, but the preparation 
leading into them always changes because of the circumstances leading up to them. But um, and obviously, um, I wasn't in a position to take weeks off um, in the in the build up to get your game right or or to do certain things. So um, you know, it, it it was what it it was what it was. But yeah, I probably wish I'd have prepared slightly differently for some of them and you mentioned there in 05 that it was in St Andrews and golf aside so have you taken time to reflect just how amazing that few days was just to tee it up in a British Open and the home of golf no that was that was fantastic yeah I, I got a feeling that might have been my first time there as well and 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 I love it I think it's just the most amazing town as well just to walk through the town and go and play golf on a golf course like that is just special um and you we got to use the old clubhouse and go in there and uh, had my family there and then um on the friday um jack nicholas retired from open golf there on the friday and we were around the green with my dad and my mum and you know it, it was just a, a really great week um, unfortunately, I retired from open golf that week too, but not on purpose. But, you know, that was one of them things. Although you retired from open golf, though, you still had many more amazing memories from your life on tour. And the first of those was in 2003 in Austria, where you won the BACA Golf Open. Do you know, how incredible a feeling was that, you know, to win on the Challenge Tour and so what were the emotions after that victory? Yeah, that that was really good actually. Um, I'd I'd played really poorly in the summer of two thousand and three, and I was really, really sort of at the end of my tether with with my game, discussing whether to to pack it in and you know maybe you know do something else. And and I remember a sort of started to show a little bit more form and I think it was in the September time and I uh, I played with Graham Storm in the last round and and I played I played pretty good and uh, I hold a good putt on 17 to make birdie on a par three and I think I birdied the last I went the par five the last I birdied the last I had a great finish and I got in a playoff with an Aussie called Stephen Bowditch who plays in America now and um and he, um, we both on the, we go on the playoff and there was, it was a par five around the lake and, um, we both hit good drives and he hit it in the water and I managed to get it somewhere near the green. And then he had a pitch in and he hit it in the water again. <laughs> so <laughs> it wasn't exactly my amazing golf in the playoff, but I was so relieved to get over the line and get a trophy and. There was one, it was a beautiful glass tall trophy and I took it, obviously we, we, we played a playoff and then we rushed to get, get in a, some transport to the airport. And I got to Vienna airport and there was a bar and I remember like the, there was French open tennis on and the bar was packed watching the tennis. There was a lot of golfers in the bar and I put the, the, the glass trophy on the floor and um, somebody walked past, so I, I moved my bag in a little bit, and it knocked the trophy, and it fell onto a bar stool and smashed to pieces. Oh no! 
I'd cut my hand trying to save it as well. So by the time I come back, there was um, a cleaner and she was sweeping up my trophy into a bin. <laughs> that was that was my uh, my efforts. And did you ever get a replacement? They did. You know, do you know what? The, the, we um, we emailed the the promoter and they they gave us a replacement, which was really kind of them. So uh, that the, the the thumb healed within about three weeks actually and then I went on to play really well for the rest of the year and got back on tour so it was it was the start of something good you know and that win did it feel like you were on top of the world or was it more of all right this is the motivation I know I fit into professional golf and just to keep working hard yeah I think I think before that I'd you know I'd been on tour and and I'd kept my card but it was like you know unfortunately it was a bit of a struggle it was never my best I didn't feel like I was ever you know at times I could play well but I I struggled with a bit of consistency in my own mind I was always quite hard on myself and then you step back and go on challenge tour and then if you have success I think you remember you know maybe back to your amateur days of oh you know it's great you know and to win things and that's what you play for is trophies and being in contention and and that that sort of buzz and thrill you know I, I always liken it if you like to a football team that that gets promoted they're used to winning and and generally the next year they can get a lot of positive energy off of that and you know do quite well so I think when when you look at golfers and they're winning regularly on the challenge tour you can you've got a chance that they can break through and start playing well again the next year um a couple of times I, I managed to do that as well you know 2003 going into 2004 I played okay and then I did 09 to 010 I did the same um um so I think I think it does give you a lot of energy uh, you know I'd, I wouldn't say I felt on top of the world because I sort of I'd seen where you know I was still a long way off where I wanted to be but um it was a great, great experience. And we talked there about progressing and getting onto the European tour, and you made 389 appearances. Like, how do you reflect on that, or is that something at the time you just took for granted? Um, I definitely took it for granted that that was my life, and and that's what I did. Um, I remember going to tour school the first time when I was sort of 23 I think and getting my card for 96 and I got in the car and I said to my dad well you know I've got on tour now and you know if if I don't make a cut then no one can ever take that away from me I still got my card and you know I didn't know I was going to play nearly 400 times but I still look back and go I didn't do well enough, but that's my that's my mentality of being tough on myself, you know. Um, I'd have been if you'd have told me I'd have played, you know, that many times, I'd have been delighted. But um, I, I look back on it with certain amounts of pride, and I also look back on it with certain amounts of, you know, um, not regret, but unfulfilled ambition you know and you finished in the top 100 on the order of merit on three occasions in 0405 and 2011 
So how did you find that there was a space there between 05 and 2011? Did you ever get kind of fed up with the game or was there ever motivational kind of issues there? Um, I, th- I think the, the most I got fed up with the game was definitely 2003 before the first win on Challenge Tour. I played okay 05, 04, 05, I played good. And then um, I lost my way 06 and I should have got my card back, I think, 07 and I, 08, I wasn't as good. And then I changed, I think in 08, I changed coach and stuff like that. And um, I tried to do a lot of things differently at the end of 08. And 09, I played really well. So with that change and, and the sort of, it gave me a bit of a new lease of life. And, and 09, I, I won twice. I was leading by three after two rounds. Um, for my third win and it got me straight back onto the tour after three wins and I, I was playing and the, they hit it in the trees and I saw it and it went straight through the trees and I saw where it went so I hit my shot off the next tee and run up the hill to tell him where I'd where I saw it and as I did I tore my calf muscle and it was in agony, and I, had to, I was I was three clear, and I had to walk off. Well, I couldn't walk, limp off, and I didn't play for six weeks, and that was a you know that that was a shame because that was some of the best golf I played in my life that sort of year. Um, I was consistent, I was putting well, playing well, and then, but I just I did I did enough. I was I was either leading the Order of Merit at the time or second, and I just finished in tenth. So that was a, that injury gave me a bit of a scare, but um, that that period was okay because I had some good golf in the middle of it, you know. So that wasn't too bad. I think the toughest times for me were around two thousand and three. And you talked there about two thousand and nine, and you had two great wins one in the Moroccan Classic and one in the Challenge of Ireland. And looking more in-depthly in the Challenge of Ireland win, that was on the third playoff hole where you beat Nicholas Colsarts. So when you're in a playoff, so how do you prepare for that? Are you kind of a bit on edge or are you a bit more aggressive to try and get that birdie and clinch the title? I, th- I think when you're in a playoff with, against Nicholas Colsarts, the last thing you want to be is on a par five. So we... <laughs> We, it started on the 18th at Moy Valley, which is a long par five. And it just repeated, repeated and repeated on the par five. So from that sense, you're more aggressive because when you're playing someone that long, um, you know, it, it, it becomes a bit of a challenge. But luckily, um, I, uh, I come through it. And that was a really special win, actually, because I had fam- my mum and dad were up there at the start of the week but we had booked a trip to go away on the Saturday or the Sunday. So, but I had cousins and stuff come up from Cork and um, that was nice. To win in Ireland was lovely, you know. I never got to win in England, but to win in Ireland was, was very nice and I'll remember that for a long time. And you have three wins on the Challenge Tour and obviously each win can be different in their own right. But would you say that there was anything kind of special clicked for you in the build-up or was it just a case of 
Thursday morning you stood on the first tee and things started to click into place from there? Uh, I think I think in 2009, that year when I went to Ireland, you know, I was I was very confident. Uh, I felt, you know, I'd already won. I'd already, you know, I was having a lot of top 10 finishes. I felt like I was going to be in contention if, if I played well. So that mindset I, was perfect for, you know, for, for doing well. So I sort of went into the week thinking I was going to do well and um, managed to see it through, you know. It was very tight last round, I remember, and, and you know, it was nip and tuck. And I think, again, I, I birdied the last in, in uh, regulation play to get in the playoffs. So it was very tight, but I think when you've got that little bit of confidence, you've got the edge, you know. And you talked there about confidence and you know, you played so many times on the European Tour and you came so close to that win in the Avanta Masters in 2011. Do you look back at that with more disappointment or more kind of pride and you know that you can compete at the top level of professional golf? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a bit of both. I think in 2011, that was the start of 2011, I think through that season, I had uh, three really good chances to win. That obviously being the biggest, um, and for for to be in contention in a year three times to win on tour meant I was playing really well. Unfortunately, um, the event that I made a mess of um, up the last, I, I needed birdie to to win and a par to get in a playoff. Went for a par five, hit it over the back, chipped back and three putted. Um, I sort of rushed my putt about eight feet past. Um, and that was a bit of sort of inexperience at that level. And um, obviously I regret that. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I played great that week and that showed that I, I can really, you know, you, you had the ability to win because obviously, I, you know, I could have won. Um, but it's tinged with sadness that, <laughs> that I didn't see it through. But then, you know, like you said, I think to tell yourself, if you can be in contention, I was in contention, Austrian Open and the BMW International in Germany that year as well. And I didn't see them over the line, but I had chances. And I think all you can do at that level is to give yourself chances. If you know, I'm never going to be a Rory McIlroy, you know, that has chance every week almost. Um, but to have three in a year was, was good for me. Um, and and I enjoyed that. And that was probably my, my best golf that year. That or 2009 was the best I've ever played. And um, that, 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 you, you know, I, I get a lot out of the, uh, the experience, but obviously there was, a, there was a disappointment involved with it at the end of it. And for the number of years you've been on tour, so you're a professional golfer now over 25 years, and you've consistently performed you know, throughout that time. And bringing it back to 2015 in the Challenge Tour event in the Scottish Hydro Challenge, you shot rounds of sixty, three rounds of sixty-six, and then a round of seventy to get in the playoff. So, how do you think that golf, the or the standard of golf on tour, has developed in those years? Yeah, it's it's definitely getting better and better. I think you know, you've only got to look at 
young players now and they're you know they're so strong and they're fitter and you know there's you know they they, they cover every base they you know nutrition mental side you know it, it's very impressive and obviously the standards improved because of that together with you know the technology side of not just golf clubs but of um you know uh, launch monitors of putting devices. So th- there's so many good things that have come and made the whole standard better. But at the end of the day, the lads are shooting really good scores now and that's improved as as sort of it's gone on. So, you know, you look at the, the lads that are playing amateur golf and their handicaps are ridiculous. Like, it's just so, you know, Plus whatever is is plus one is nothing now, is it? You know, it's um, the standard is incredible, and um, I think you know if if that conti- if that continues, the golf golf's getting stronger and stronger, and the players are getting stronger and stronger. So it's it's in a good place. And we talked there, you know, about your golf career, and all of that was as an individual, well, by the small team that you had, but then in twenty seventeen. Uh, you got to play in the PGA Cup and you won it in where Great Britain and Ireland won it in Fox Hills Club and Resort in England. So how special was it to achieve kind of team success on top of your own individual success? Yeah, I, I, I really love that. Um, when I was younger, I played obviously team golf, county club, stuff like that. Um, I got to play for England once, um, but I would played team golf for god uh 25 years probably so um to play there was really really special in in a really good team you know most of the team i knew from playing on tour or in pga events um really good bunch of guys great spirit amongst us and and you know we had a really strong team so um just brilliant captain everything it was just just a really great great week that i absolutely loved and um from that moment on all i wanted to do was qualify the next time so um pj cup was was phenomenal it's um great week and you got over the line on three occasions as a touring pro and did you still feel pressure in those crunch match play moments in the PGA Cup? Oh yeah, definitely, because it's the different pressure, like the pressure for yourself again is is very different, isn't it? It's like you know, you you stand over a putt and um, you miss it. it. It's 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 your problem. It's it's only you. So it's, but when it's for, for others, I just I, I'm not a fist pumper at all, and. You, you you go and play in the PGA Cup and your your hands and your arms are doing things you didn't know you could do. You know, you were holding a putt and punching the air and it was, well, where did that come from? You know, it's a bit out-of-body experience, really. But um, I got to the 18th in my singles game and I'd had a good week and, and we were all square. And um, I'd managed to, I, I hit it to about, 10 feet and I had a putt for the match and I hold it 
and it, and I'm walking after it, pumping my fist. <laughs> and I was just, you know, I look back on it now and go, oh no, but you just can't help it. It's, uh, and there's it's something about a team environment that when you do it, it's so much more relief to do it, to not let people down and do it for your teammates. So, yeah, I really uh, had great memories of that week. And also in 2017, you'd individual success in the PGA playoffs in Walton Heat with three great rounds of 68, 65 and 66 to close it out. But there was an even bigger prize on offer, which was to play in the PGA Championship in Wentworth on the European Tour and the British Masters. Were they playing on your mind down the closing stretch or was it a case of, just focus on the moment. That that week, it was brilliant to play a golf course like Walton Heath and be playing so well. It was great. Um, I only won by a shot. And I think third was six behind us. You know, we, we were sort of out in front. and But I remember being quite away in front. And I was playing with Paul O'Hara, who came second, who's a really good player. And I think he eagled. I think he birdied 14 and no, sorry, birdied 13, eagled 14, birdied 15 and 16. And it was getting, you know, I was starting to think, oh, you can stop now. This is enough, you know. But um, I managed to hang on barely. And um, that was a really nice win on a great golf course. So that, yeah, but I don't think the, the PGA and the, um, and, and the British Masters were great, great sort of add-ons. But I think to win the, the playoff trophy is is more important to me. Um, I wasn't, it wasn't really playing on my mind about that stuff. It was, it was a great bonus, but I think that week was all about trying to win the event, you know, and uh, get your name on a trophy that I'd never won before. And after getting your name on the trophy, you then went in 2018 and 2019 to play in the PGA Championship in Wentworth. Do you know how special was that to get back on golf's top circuit and you know teed up against the likes of some of the best players in the world where McElroy was playing? Yeah, no, it's brilliant. You know, like the event is huge, you know, and um, it, it grows and grows. And I'd been there for a few years and then to go back was amazing because, you know, the whole place had, had got bigger and better and and in 2018 I really didn't do myself justice again I, I sort of didn't play very well um I actually had to have an injection in my neck on the Monday and it, I just wasn't really playing well and struggled and uh, that was in early that was in May and then last year in 2019 they pushed it back to September which which I actually thought suited me because if you're not playing on tour and you're playing PGA stuff, it doesn't really start till May. So it, it gave me more time to be ready for it. And, um, and I went and I, I sort of did prepare slightly differently this time, uh, 2019. And, uh, and I managed to, to scrape my way over the line to make the cut, although I was flying and then, Managed to hit a few wonky shots near the end, and um, but managed to get in the cut and have a nice week. And um, it, that was the week before I went to America for the PGA Cup, so it was 
you know, you couldn't get better preparation for that. You've had the opportunity to compete at the top level of professional golf. You know, what do you think has been the key to your longevity of being able to perform on the big stage? Well, I think, you know, I don't necessarily think I've, I've got the, uh, the, the key to success. Uh, I, like I said before, I'm, I always see things that I can do better. Um, I, I think I'm pretty driven. Um, and I'm a, I, I, I think I'm a big competitor. Um, I, don't, I don't want to get beat, although I seem to have made a habit of it too many times. Um, I don't enjoy getting beat. And, you know, you just got to find a way to get the job done, haven't you? You know, um, I think I failed in, in 18 at Wentworth and I looked at the way I did it and I changed it for 2019. I had the advantage of it being later in the year, definitely. That helped. Um, but I stayed away from the golf course on the Wednesday because at the PGA, it's like a circus on the Wednesday. There's a massive, massive pro-am. There's people everywhere and, you know, and you just lose your focus on practicing. So I actually come home. I, I live maybe, well, with no traffic an hour and a half away, but with traffic around London, probably two and a half hours away. But I come home and I thought, I'm just going to stay away from the golf course and go back on the Thursday. And, and, I think that really helped me just to keep my focus on the golf and not what was all around me, you know? Um, so little things you have to, you know, along the way, you know, even people that, you know, you're playing your club championship and sometimes you're going to make mistakes, you know, over the course of how it's played and you just got to learn from that and, and try not to make the same mistakes twice. And last year you got to play the four rounds and there obviously wasn't too many mistakes uh, making the cut in such a high quality field. And how great was it to win the top regional pro or professional there? You know, just sum up that achievement. Yeah, that, that, was, that was nice. Um, I, think, I think to make the cut in such, you know, I was, I was 47. I was 47 then. And I looked around and, you know, there were so many Americans playing and the field was really strong. And that, that was, I got a big sense of achievement out of that um, um, to make the cut and be the top PGA player was, was really, really nice. And that was great. And I, I really, I, I maybe because I'd stepped back from tour life and I looked at them as them and not, not us, <laughs> you know, uh, maybe that was what made it feel more special, but I, I was I was proud of that, and uh, and I really enjoyed the week, so I enjoyed it. And then you made that transition into coaching. When did this come about for you, or when did you decide that was something you wanted to do? I think sort of 2016, 2017. I knew I didn't want to play. I I was struggling um, with being away as well. You know, I've got to too young at the time they were youngish kids um and I, I just didn't want to be away anymore um and and I started to play regional programs and enjoy them so I decided to do my PGA training so I was the oldest trainee in town um when I turned up for my year one I think in 2017 
my every I think the average age was about 18 19 and I was turning up at 44 or whatever I was 45 so that was um that was different but I'm glad that you know I'm still I haven't quite finished it because of unfortunately uh the coronavirus but uh I'm nearly there um and I am starting to coach now a little bit more and and I'm enjoying that I enjoy coaching on the golf course as well as off off it if you know what I mean um it's it's good it's rewarding when when somebody you know you can help people it's rewarding so I do enjoy it and how do you find seeing golf from that new perspective so you went before and you know solely focused on your own career and performing to the best you could but now you mention you're trying to get or see other people get results from the game do you know how is it show that different lens yeah I, I seem to have developed um an amazing amount of patience all of a sudden um, because I look at people that, that are impatient and I can't understand why they're impatient. Yet I was like that for 25, 30 years, I suppose. So um, I'm a bit of a hypocrite, I'm afraid. But um, yeah, it's, it's different. It's different. But you can, you, uh, when, you, when you see that, in some, some part of you thinks, oh, I'd like to have another go at what I did because you can see mistakes you made, um, you know, when you're looking looking back and looking in from a different direction. So there's, there's a lot of lessons that have been learned recently that unfortunately didn't get learned in time to help a playing side of it. So. And you talk earlier about you to change a coach and you've had the opportunity to work with some of the top coaches in the game, such as Phil Kenyon and Pete Cowan. Do you contact them and try and like test their knowledge and learn from them, or is it a case of implementing your own philosophies on the game? No, I think you know I I do speak to them and um, and I've spoke to them since I you know started my sort of coaching journey, if you like. Um, but when I was a player, I always used to write notes down of what I was working on, and and to be honest, in the in the, the recent times of being the lockdown, I've started to write up all my notes into into a sort of one one very big file. Um, and it's quite interesting what I worked on with them. And, um, but, yeah, I certainly always ask for help, you know. I, I'm never too proud to ask. Um, and, and, you know, I spoke to Pete Cowan actually recently who he had, COVID-19 unfortunately um but he's he's doing okay now um but there's you know I, I was really lucky like Phil Pete Cowan Matt Belsham um I got a lesson of John Jacobs for a long long time ago and and many others I can't remember at the moment but um who have you know really helped me along the way so it's great great people to uh to bounce ideas off and to you know use their knowledge has been a massive help and you talk there about you're trying to help other people and improve their games but you're still playing in the pga regional events and pro-ams how do you find balancing your own practice time with coaching yeah you know a couple of times i've i've said oh I'll, i'll go over and i'll hit balls and and before the lesson or this or that or after and in the end you know I say I'll I'll do it after the lesson and then 
I'll just keep teaching and teaching and, and then my, my game gets left. So uh, that's, that's, um, that's a trick I haven't mastered yet. Um, I think my own practice time has been hampered severely at the moment, um, which I think I've got to be wary of, and that's a lesson to be learned. Um, and how how you get that better, I don't know, but um, maybe a bit more discipline with my time uh, management. So we'll we'll see how that goes in the future. And you mentioned how you're going playing golf this afternoon. And what's your plans for the future? Is that to focus more so on your own golf and playing on the seniors tour, or is it to go more full time into coaching? I think with the seniors tour in Europe, as it is, it's it's almost not a full-time tour. Um, there's not enough events, unfortunately. Um, and I would have to qualify as it stands, I think. Um, so I think I, I love playing and I consider myself still a player. Um, so I, I, I would, I would like to, as you said, um, sort of divide my time equally if I could between coaching and, and practicing my own game with, with the view to hopefully qualifying as a, for the, the Stay Shore Tour, as it's called now, the Seniors Tour in Europe, um, and, and hopefully getting on to that, but, but maintaining a coaching career at the same time, really, because, you know, I think I'd be home enough to to be able to still see quite a number of people. So um, that would be an ideal scenario for me, hopefully in the future. And you mentioned there about you wanting to maintain a coaching and help people progress through the game. And back in the 2017 Maiden Denmark, you played with Rasmus Hogard, who's a now European Tour winner, but at the time was probably 15 or 16. What advice would you have for young pros or top-level amateurs they want to get into the or get onto the biggest stage in golf and compete for a number of years. Well, I think he was 16 when I played with him, and the first hole we, we started, I remember this really well, is that we started on a par three, and there was no, you know, we played the par three, and then we stood on the par five, the next hole, and he hit a driver, and I just looked at my caddy and went, "Oh my god." You know, this thing just went up and did not come down. And I just, you almost the noise of it put me off. And I actually felt so inferior stepping up and hitting mine. He was incredibly talented and uh, no surprise that he's done so well. But for, for any young player, I think, you know, work hard, work smart always look for for where you can improve and um you know capitalize on your strengths and work on your weaknesses you know that's all you can do really um with a good work ethic and good people around you that's that's the the mixture yeah the key i suppose working hard and staying patient you know get that luck or get that break yeah you know there there is but the one thing that i'm beginning to see is that you know i what i for for long periods I worked hard but maybe I didn't work smart enough and um I think 
I think there's a, there's a key, you know, the, the person who stands on the range the longest won't be the best player. Um, the person who, who works the smartest could be the best player, you know? So there's a mixture somewhere in there. And that's the, that's the secret is finding who to work with that makes you better and how to work that makes you better because everyone's got a different mixture of what they need. So that's the, uh, that's the magic formula, I think. Well, certainly, you know, we agree. There's so many ways and there's so many people now in Ireland, I suppose as well. So many top level amateurs that are trying to make that progression. So Robert, we'd just like to thank you very much for your time today. You know, it was great to chat about your experiences in the game and you know, you've had so much success and you've had so many opportunities and experiences. But before we do let you go, we just got our quick fire round a number of questions. Okay. Uh, do you prefer links or parkland? Uh, links, links, because um, there there aren't really many links near where I live, and whenever you go to a links, there's something special about it. So uh, yeah, links for me. And do you prefer to practice on the range or on the course? Good question. A bit of both. I can only say a bit of both. I think you need to do your little bit of technical work on the range, but on the course is where you learn it. So, yeah, oh, I'm 50-50, I'm afraid. And what age did you reach, Scratch? Not early. Um, I would have been about 19, I'd say, maybe 20. Yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't low when I was young. Um, may, maybe... Maybe 19, I suppose. And your best golf memory to date? Best golf memory, the three Challenge Tour wins or the PGA Cup win. Um, I played in a losing PGA Cup team last year, which was a great experience. But because we didn't win, it probably won't be the greatest memory. Um, But maybe the 2017 PGA Cup win. You've played with so many people throughout the years. Who would make up your dream four ball? Well, I, I really, luckily, I got to play with one of my heroes, which was Seve on tour. Um, so for that reason, I've already done it. I wouldn't pick him. My dream four ball would be a personal thing where I'd, I'd, I'd have my dad and my two sons and myself. Um, but from a golfing perspective, I've taken Seve out. Nicholas, Woods, Hogan, and myself. That would be pretty special. Not not for them playing with me, but for, them, for me. <laughs> Sounds like a great combination. So, Robert, we've kept you for long enough this morning. I'd just like to thank you very much for your time, Joe. It was great to chat, and you've had so many different uh, opportunities in the game, and Thank you very much for chatting with us. Thanks, Shane. Thanks, and uh, wish everyone well and hope they stay safe and enjoy the golf when they get back out there. Thank you very much. Cheers. That's it for this week's podcast, and I'd just like to say a huge thank you to Robert again for his time. Most of our guests over the last number of weeks are young players, both amateur and professional, who are just starting out their journey in the game. But Robert talked about his past experiences from three wins on the Challenge Tour 389 European Tour appearances and 3 British Open appearances so it was great to get that different perspective and how Robert reflected on his own career and what he would have liked to have done differently and we would like to wish Robert all the best in the coming years as his quest to become a teaching professional and to qualify for the Stay Shore Tour 
So thank you again, Robert. Chat soon, guys. And please, talk birdie to me.